is the voice of the one and only DJ Scream, letting you know that you are now in tune to the Casual Flex, where culture meets sports and casuals are welcome. Now here's your host, Philip Dukes. This your man Ike Jones in here. Uh, I got my guy CP in here, man. And we just going to talk, uh, real talk about some Auburn football. Y'all already know, new coach, Hugh Freeze, down to the plains. Dukes, the scoop is here. And we just going to be, we're going to keep it as candid as we can right. about what's happening right now and what we're hopeful for for the future. And maybe even talk a little bit about some of the stuff that could be potential pitfalls with this hire. That's fair, right? For us to just talk That's, real about that. Absolutely. All right, so let's just start with the obvious. Hugh Freeze is the coach right now. In principle, I think they've agreed to six years, 6.5 million is what's being reported per year on the contract. How are you feeling about preliminarily about Hugh, new head coach Hugh Freeze? Um, all right, let's first and foremost, let's talk football, right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about football in the job. I'm not talking about any of the past transgressions. I'm not talking about any extracurricular activities. I'm good right now. That. We're talking football. Yeah, I'm good with that. As far as football goes, I think it's been a while since Auburn has had a quarterback developer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of one of a head coach that was a quarterback friendly guy who had a established track record of developing quarterbacks and getting the most from a little. So I'm excited about that, <clears throat> especially not the head the, coach for sure. Yeah, yeah, not the head coach. Like yeah. you know, and I, you don't have to throw no names in it or whatever. But you, I mean, uh, a spade is a spade, and yeah. uh, I'm also happy to see a guy who I know from high school coaches that I talked to that he's not too big. He's never too big. He's not. He's not a jerk in the room. He's um. The humility that he shows, uh, especially with him being now, I like the fact that at Liberty in his conference he was a big dog, but he still carried himself as if he was like so, like just happy to have that that that, that opportunity. Right. And um, I'm a guy who believes in second chances. I'm a guy mm-hmm. who, um, and when I say second chance, I mean the second chance at the SEC, much right. like Bruce Pearl. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people didn't think Bruce Pearl would have got back in the SEC. Same thing with Hugh Freeze. And uh, I think that uh, if people can keep it at football and just look at the fact that he's won some and he has SEC experience and the fact that he's never been at a school with the resources that Auburn has, I think this has the potential to be a good hire. Yeah, I can agree with everything you said. You know, um, I think it's difficult for me when we start talking about people's coaching past as to whether or not that you can predict that forward into their coaching future. But the key thing that you said that I, I want to harp on is with the resources that he has at Auburn, right? right. Because, you know, I, I'll, I'll be a very vocal person when it comes to the fact that I don't think that – now, I hope he someday returns as a defensive coordinator for Auburn. Don't think Will Muschamp is a good head coach, right? Okay. And I can say that having seen him coach at Florida, who has a ton of resources, right? right? So resources were not the reason why he was not successful at Florida. So we can't put those people in the same kind of conversations when we talk about people who maybe their ceiling is group of five or coordinator level when it comes to head coaching things. I don't know that Hugh Freeze has proven that to be the case for him, despite what his record tells you about his past. Because again, the point I want to make here is with the resources that Auburn can have at its disposal with him. Uh, So, I think that it's a good opportunity for him to show if he's if he's made for it, we're gonna see for sure now. Like the excuses aren't there anymore. If you can't make it with this level of um uh, push behind you, 
right. from people who have money, from administration, from there's nobody standing in the way of Hugh Freeze being able to be successful. It's on him now. He's got to go out there. He's got to get the kids. He's got to get them to go out there and play ball. And yeah, I think from that standpoint, the expectations are going to be high. They're going to be yeah. high. So, so let's let's talk before we get into a little bit about just what we feel like will happen on the field. Let's talk about the short term off the field, right? Like what the expectations are between now and early signing day, right? Because that's going to be the first time he gets called to the carpet and somebody's going to put some sort of grade sheet on him of what have you done since the signing, since you signed your contract until now, what have you done? What do you think realistic expectations should be for Hugh Freeze and Auburn University between now and early signing day? Uh, I think Auburn and uh, Coach Freeze, I think they can come up with a top 25-ish class Mm. going into uh, the early signing day. Uh, And I think it's all going to depend on a defensive coordinator. I Mm. think whoever the defensive coordinator is. We don't talk about that, but continue, my brother. (laughs) Continue. You want to hire people who've always who've already got some fish on the hook, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you like it, it's 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 a lot harder to say to let's say you go get the best defensive coordinator at uh, University of Washington right now. Well, he re- probably I, I, just standing right now, the guys that he probably has recruited or he has committed probably don't have much of an impact in the southeast uh, footprint. Right. So by being able to get a guy or somebody who's already got guys coming or somebody who's recently been recruiting in the southeast mm-hmm. and may have some uh some 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 uh some cross pollination so to speak with some of the guys that Auburn is recruiting already. So I think that's going to be huge as far as going in and signing today. If you get a guy like that, I think Auburn can flip some of these guys and go top 20. I think if you go with more of a uh I guess so let's say Hugh Freeze was a traditional hire. And so let's say you go bring in somebody else who may be non-traditional. I think it'll be a little bit harder to crack the top 30. Okay, so let's talk about who would who moves the needle, right? So CP is is making the decision right now. Dukes the Scoop is going out. He got to hire a defensive coordinator. And people have asked me this question, who would you hire as your coordinator? I'm going to answer that question today, but I'm going to give you the first crack at this. Who would be top two to three names on your list of like, yeah, this this is a guy who I feel like fits that criteria you just said, fits the Auburn culture, fits the footprint of the the recruiting uh, area in which you want to be able to have that cross-pollination and moves the needle with those recruits in a meaningful way. Who who would you name as maybe your top two or three guys? I would probably go T-Wheel first. Hold on, and, and, and let's be clear about this. Guys who you think realistically would come to Auburn, because, again, I just mentioned Will Muschamp. I think it's very unlikely Will Muschamp leaves his situation to come to Auburn, right? Like, right, right. great guy, but I just I – don't, I don't know what kind of money you'd have to be talking to make him want to move off of his I mean, situation. like, if we're just talking about a defensive coordinator that you'll get from Georgia, I would take Schumann. I mean, let's – like, mm-hmm. if that was the case, oh, we're yeah. going to go give Schumann $3 million, like – so, and I think you already kind of see where the where the like the ceiling is mm. for a defensive coordinator. It's going to be in the million, million five range because you're not going to pay a defensive coordinator two point five million dollars. Right. That's, that's that's mid major head coach money, right? Right. You're not going to pay that when your coach is only making six. So correct. Uh, so T. Yeah, Will, who, who I, else? Yeah, you I like Doug Belt um, at Houston. Mm. Um, Doug. Belt that's, a, really, that's that's one that I haven't heard thrown around. That's a, that's a good name though. 
That's a good. Yeah, I like I like Doug Belk a lot. Uh, it's got a, and if I just had my guy right now, who, a guy who's out of a job, so to speak, I'm not sure if, if Wisconsin is gonna my dream pick. No, you know what? We're gonna stay within the footprint. We'll stay within the footprint. I, I'm, I'm gonna come back to that name, but yeah, stay within the footprint. Yeah, okay, and then I'll we're stay within give the footprint. Uh, T. Rob, I think T. Rob deserves a second okay. shot at it. You, you, um, he, two of the three names are on my list. I would right. love to see T. Rob come back. You know, he's DP coach right now at um at Alabama, right? right? Um, T. Will, I think you know he is doing a great job at again a place where he doesn't necessarily have access to the same kind of resources, good resources at UCF. Don't get me wrong, they right. do their thing in that conference, but. And then, I mean, and they are getting a bump up to a bigger conference, which may be different TV money and all that kind of thing. So maybe they could do some more things. But T. Will, I think, is a, for me, a home run hire. Yeah, for um, sure. When you consider just the synergy that it would bring for the Auburn fan base and what you would have from an X and O standpoint, what you would have in a locker room standpoint. And then I don't mean to say this as if those other things don't matter, but definitely from a recruiting standpoint, like he's just. <sighs> He's a he's a beast out there on that trail, right? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about what we've already spoken about about Hugh Freeze and his his mentality towards recruiting, and uh, the way that he approaches the college coaches and even the the the, the high, excuse me the high school coaches and the high school athletes, and then you have the dynamos that you already have in Carnell Williams. You add a T. Will to that. You keep you know potentially keep somebody like uh, Zach Etheridge on that group, and then you still have um, you know. Uh, Trevon Reed still out there. Like, man, that's a you're talking about some a recruit a recruiting group that can go out there and really shake up some things. You understand? Uh, but I, I like the T Rob thing. The other one that I thought was interesting that kind of got floated out there to me was Charles Kelly, and I thought Charles Kelly was a decent hire from uh, <clears throat> just a history standpoint with Auburn and his uh, pr- uh prowess. On the field, I don't know a lot about his recruiting prowess, but I know he's he's a beast with the X's and O's. So I thought Charles Kelly would be a good one to be able to get in and, and really field a, a quality defense. But those were my top three: T. Rob, T. Will, and Charles Kelly. Yeah, not I in think, that uh, order, but just those three. I think uh, Charles Kelly gives you a lot of what Hugh Freeze does recruiting wise. Mm. Um, maybe not as in tune with the culture. Right. Maybe uh, you know, uh, but. But, but it's going to be himself. Mm-hmm. That's what I really like about Charles Kelly from everything that I've heard. Super cool guy, always going to be himself. No moment is too big and no moment is too small. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely the type of guy to want to ask you, like, what are you doing instead of just saying, why are you doing it? Uh, mm-hmm. Or, excuse me, uh, ask you, why are you doing it instead of what are you doing? Right. And I think that's uh, being uh, – and I think being objective versus subjective when it comes to what's on the mind of an 18-year-old is super mm-hmm. important as far as building rapport. So to speak. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, so for my dream pick, I would have somebody that was in tune with the culture to kind of balance out what he freeze has going on. For sure. But on the flip side, I think there can be some some crazy synergy if you were to bring a Charles Kelly over. Cool, cool, cool. So, all right, so let's go back to the Wisconsin situation, the the outlier of like not necessarily (laughs) meeting the footprint, but definitely is some guy that you feel like um, could could shake some things up. And who is that? Oh, Jim Leonard. Mm. Jim Leonard, uh, football mind is great, man. I watched, oh, was it the Penn State game last year when Jim Leonard was, um, he, he was just, he, he was doing some, some, some things defensively with how he was scheming up blitzes. And I was just like, oh yeah, he different, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, he, yeah, di- yeah. he different, like, man. 
I mean, it, it's going to be a whole lot of what we saw at Baltimore. Um, mm-hmm. He's able to scheme some of those things. And I think that just the disappointment of not being able to get that job at Wisconsin, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if he will want to stay. Uh, he's mm-hmm. got to be in a lot of people's uh, head coaching searches right now, depending on the job. So I would think that some of those mid-majors in that area in the Midwestern region start to come available, he'll be a guy. But, I mean, sh- like, hey, got a got 1.5? Go get Jim Leonard. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll figure out recruiting. Yeah. And you that's know, why we'll I, I, it's, it's important that it with even with, with the Charles Kelly that I mentioned, it's, it, it would be important who the rest of his staff would be to round that Absolutely. out to make sure that you could get the guys because um, they, they can take care of the X's and O's. All right, so defensive staff, and I, I think we both agree, if we were to put our stamp on one person, it would be T-Will. Right? Sure. For sure. He's, you know, and, and I think T-Rob is good. You know, he definitely had that South Carolina defense looking good. He, But I haven't seen T-Rob not with Muschamp running the defense yet. And so I don't know really where he is with that. As a, I, I'd love to, you know what I'm saying, if they if they wanted to move, you know, and, and keep Zach with like maybe safeties and then bring D-Rob back in as a, a DB coach. I don't know if we can pull that off from a salary standpoint from what he's making right now. I'd love to but see I that. I think, and I was thinking about that too, and I was thinking the fact that Hugh Freeze is so involved with the quarterback that you could, you know, bring in a quarterback's coach who may not be as established as a T-Rob or established even as a T-Will, um, mm-hmm. a younger guy to kind of, you know, just say learn, learn in the position or, you know, go with somebody who gets a, a dual responsibility. Like there, mm-hmm. there's so much flexibility that you have when you have a head coach as a specialist that you know is involved. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that, if it came down to it, you could put that all-star roster together and have the separate cornerback versus the DB coach mm-hmm. based on the fact of your head coaches, your offensive coordinator, and your quarterback's coach. So you have that that much more flexibility. So let's 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 flip it to the other side of the ball then, right? So we talked a little bit about defensive coordinator. What do you feel like is gonna happen from an offensive coordinator standpoint? And well, before we get into the coordinator hire. I think it's universally understood Cadillac Williams is going to be back at Auburn with sure. his hire, right. right? Right. What do you feel like his role is going to be on this staff? I feel like he will be, truly <laughs> be an associate head coach. Mm. I feel like you've got guys who, you know, like he would epitomize that based on his experience and running the team. And I also think that having somebody – a legendary Auburn player like we talked about on the mm-hmm. staff. And he just made himself a legend again as the first head black head coach and the only African-American head coach in Auburn history. Mm-hmm. There are going to be things that he can say that nobody else in the history of Auburn will ever be able to say. Right. Like, even when we talk about the Russian records, Bo Jackson has something to say about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we talk about uh, NFL rookie records, uh, there are plenty of guys who have something to say about it, but nobody will have anything to say about breaking the color barrier mm-hmm. at a predominantly white institution in yeah. the Southeast. And yeah. uh, that's something that you'll never be able to take away from him. I don't want to lean into that because I think he, if, if he would have been, if he would have been purple, he would have done a great job for what we right. saw. Uh, but, but yeah, there are just certain things that, that, that he can say and that he's going to garner a certain amount of respect on that team. So one, his first, he is the glue guy mm-hmm. first and foremost. So they're going to be they're going to be situations in times where you can't talk to the head coach about things. Right. You may not even want to talk to your position coach 
But now you know there's a guy who has a who has experience running a whole team of men. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think being that glue guy, and he's also a very, very solid guy. And uh, from my personal relationship uh, with him, as far as yours too, like, like always been solid, dog. Like, even when we was in school, he just was always a solid cat. You yeah. never really saw him mixed up in no drama. You never, like, he was always a guy that, that would rather not speak than speak wrong. Right. So I think that uh, that aspect of it allows him to be, like, not even just, that, that's that's like crazy glue, super glue. Yeah. He's somebody who can keep the team together. You know, it's, it's one of those things I think that's underrated, um, having guys who've had head coaching experience on your staff. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, one of the things that you said is, like, maybe you don't want to go talk to your head coach, but you can go talk to a guy who's sat in that seat before, right. and he'll think about it a little differently than if he's never been in that seat, right? Like, if you've right. never been a head coach, you don't really know what the head coach's life is like. So it's like, man, I want to talk to coach, man, but coach always busy. Like, man, like, listen, bro. He's not he's he not faking busy, bro. He's really busy. Right. Like if I were you, you know, what I'm saying when I was a coach, this is the way I would have wanted my guys to approach me about X. You could just give different perspectives on having those types of conversations or your head coach can come to you and be like, hey, this might not come right coming from me. But you can give him this perspective, having sat in this seat and also having a different kind of relationship with these guys. It puts you in a very different perspective or a de- very different pos- uh, position to be able to have conversations with kids on the, on this, um, on this, on the team when you've sat in those seats in that way. No, it, it, I think it's very important to have those type of guys around and you never know what can happen, right? Mm-hmm. Anything can happen. And just to have that, the comfort knowing that, you know, our, our, our next man, everybody talks about the next man up, next mm-hmm. man up mentality. But to have a guy just sitting there who's a loyal guy, an Auburn loyal guy, um, is really important because, see, one of the things that I talked to a uh, I talked to a coach of a very very highly uh, recruited player, ranked player, and he was saying, "Well, there's no way they're gonna keep Cadillac because you can't have a guy being a bigger star than a head coach. You got to get rid of him." And I was like, "Well." How much of a star does Cadillac show himself to be amongst his peers now? Like, before he got the head coaching role, nobody else on that staff was a number four pick in the NFL draft. Hmm. Nobody else on that staff has their cleats retired in Canton, Hmm. right? So he never showed himself to be that type of guy. He he was humble enough to go coach at the high school level before he got his big break. He was humble enough to go coach in the USFL. He was humble enough to wait on his opportunity. And when he got his opportunity, he ran with it. Mm -hmm. So knowing that you have a guy who has the humility and has the humility to be one of the guys and also the strength and the aptitude to be the guy, I think think it's priceless (laughs) in Auburn. It's way different, bro. Uh, Cadillac is way different, man. Uh, and I just I, I loved everything about just going to press conferences and the candid nature in which he approached having the conversations like um, it's, it's you know, I, I know this isn't about Dion, but I'm just going to mention a thing. I saw a clip of Dion uh, Coach Prime sitting down with uh, a guy doing a pregame situation and like basically is is a, a black dude who was interviewing him. And the dude, apparently he was talking to him in a very like like he was using you know, slang, and he was just talking like a regular black dude. And then when the camera gone, and he was like, all right, I'm sitting here with Coach. And Coach P was like, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. That right. ain't how you was just talking to me right then. Like, no, be yourself. Like, let's try this again. And right. he was basically like, yo, but Cadillac, and, and the reason I, I mentioned that is 
Carnell Williams was going to be Carnell Williams up there on that podium as head coach. He right. wasn't going to try to, I'm, I'm not going to try to sound like no, what you think a head coach should sound like. I'm not like, listen, man, I'm a, I'm a country black man from Etowah County, Alabama, bro. Like, I don't know what else you want from me, but I'm going to be this guy. But I just happen to be sitting in this seat, but I'm still Cadillac Williams. You feel me? Like, and so right. like, I, I love the fact that he was going to be himself. Um, and not try to adapt himself into something else. He's just going to be like, I don't, I don't. And, and he said that he's like, I think I proved you don't have to be a certain way to be a coach. There you like, go. You, I, I can, you, you can coach in a different way. You can just love on kids in a specific way and they'll come and show up for you. You know, absolutely. Like, and yeah, I, he, I love he, that. He got him. way more out of that team than I thought was possible. For sure. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, and, and really and truly should have been three and one. Mm. Yeah, right, Mississippi so. State game. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. All right. Anyway, um, all right. So glad to have uh Lack back in the uh in the seat. Uh, you know, I think I agree with you. Uh associate head coach is is the right place for him to be, assistant coach, whatever you want to call that title. Him being the the number two guy, um, that glue guy that you talked about, being able to understand the culture of Auburn, understand the culture of that locker room as it presently is, and be able to be the the second in command, prepping him potentially if he wants to. If I I wish I had gotten an opportunity to ask him that, and I'm still gonna try to see if I can get an interview with him to come on the channel sometime. But I wish I had gotten an opportunity to ask him now that he's had an opportunity to sit in that seat. Is that something he can see himself doing in the future? Because you remember when he. First got the chance, he was like, I never really saw this for myself, right? Right. But now that you've seen yourself in it, can you see yourself coming back to it later, right? And so that's a different conversation, right. and I'd love to have that conversation with him. No, um, sure. So, Lack, if you're watching, man, come holler at your boy. But, um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, like, what, what else do you feel like from a staff standpoint uh, is are, are good looks? Like, if, if you were helping, you know, if you could slip a note under the door to Hugh Freeze, Coach Hugh Freeze, hey, man. You might want to look at these guys. Who else would you feel like would be a good offense, defense, doesn't really matter, to round out a really quality staff that would feel like, yeah, this fits for what Coach Freeze wants to do from the recruiting standpoint, all of that? Man, I think first and foremost, you got to go get Matt Luke. Mm. Um, Heard that name floating around a lot. Man, yeah, the I, offensive line needs it. He would be a dynamic hire. Yeah, I think, I think you got to get Matt Luke if you could. I'm not sure. I, I really didn't dig into uh, why he left Georgia the way he did, but yeah. I think that uh, as far as his recruiting and um, basically another guy with head coaching experience. And I they have the relationship from the Ole Miss days. So. Yeah, absolutely. So I think Matt Luke is definitely a guy that um, – after that, I like Ike at wide receiver. Mm. I do. I do like uh, Ike as a receiver's coach in his first year. He's shown that he can recruit. Um, I think the guys in the room really like him too. You know? Everybody respects Coach Ike. Um, he's, he's done it on the highest level. Yeah. Uh, he's done it in the SEC. Um, he has relationships in, in Louisiana, which is huge. Mm -hmm. And I always talk about how important it is to have relationships in Louisiana because LSU is the only power five school in the state. Yeah. So if you go look in the Southeast, just, let's just go look at the major, at, go look at the Southeast footprint. Florida has multiple top power five schools. Georgia has two. Alabama has two, Mississippi has two, Tennessee has two, South Carolina has two, 
North Carolina has two, and Louisiana only has one. And I think being able to have somebody with those type of relationships and who has a star factor in that area is huge when it comes down to recruiting. So mm-hmm. I definitely will hold on to uh, all right, uh, tight ends coach. I mean, I ain't going to lie to you, dog. And I know this may be an unpopular opinion, but I really don't think that Brad Bedell did a bad job. Would I bring him back? You probably can't, but just I just did want to give him I didn't I didn't think he did a bad job yeah. as a tight ends coach. Um I I really don't follow the tight end position as much yeah. as I do some of the other ones. So um running backs coach is it, it goes without saying. Right. And um quarterbacks coach, I think it'll be uh quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator. I think it'll be somebody who wants to learn on the job. I don't think you have to go out and utilize like super stupid resources to go get those two positions when yeah. you've already hired Hugh Freeze. So yeah, I mean that's how I will, that's that's pretty much how I'll do it, man. Keep keep what you have, find a tight ends coach, and try to bring Matt Luke back or or back with Hugh Freeze. Okay. Um are there are there any guys on the defensive side of the ball that you feel like I mean that that need to be retained? So we talked a little bit about um Zach Etheridge, right? Like I feel like there's no reason to get rid of Zach. He's good at what he does on the field, a, a dyna- dynamic recruiter. Um, so I feel like that one is, a, is another retainer. But th- there's the the guy I think that a lot of people are, I, I won't say split on, but when you ask people about staff retention, um, they don't mention as often. And that's Rock Bell and Tony. Like, I think Man, he I could potentially I- stay on the defensive line, right? Like, Or is, is there a name out there that you feel like what might be a better fit for this staff? Man, I like Rock, man. To yeah. be honest, like I like Rock. I think I think a staff needs a guy like Rock. You need sometimes you need an uncle. Sometimes you mm. need Pop Pop. You need the guy who's been through the fire, who's been through the wars, who's dodged the bullets and, t- and can tell you how to. The guy who could talk to your parents. The guy who's going to make your people feel comfortable with giving your child to this school for three to four years. Mm. And um, I think Rock Bellatoni has a steady in presence. He's super cool, uh, laid back. He, he's adamant about recruiting. And I just would like to see how he would recruit where a head man is just as adamant about high school recruiting as he is. Mm. So I think uh, Rock Bellatoni, even at his age, has some untapped potential. And I think that uh, he, he definitely, based on who you bring in, now let's say you do bring in uh, T. Will mm-hmm. or a younger defensive coordinator, having a guy Rock Bellatoni, like, like having a guy like, Rock Bellatoni would be super huge for a guy like that, just as a steady in presence. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's one guy I definitely would retain. Um, Brumball, another Auburn guy. I think uh, I could see Brumball be a little more different under uh, different leadership at the helm. Uh, but one guy that I do like who's a, a, a budding star is a guy that's with T-Wheel, and that's like Kenny Ingram uh, mm-hmm. down at UCF. Uh, he, he's a guy that I think is going to be a star. And I think if T. Will were to leave, he would be under consideration for a, 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 a increased role at UCF. Um, and that DB coach definitely uh, keeps Zach. And could he split the role with a um, – you know you know what I want to see? And a lot of people haven't talked about this as much, but I would like to see Trevon Reed on field. Mm. Okay. I would like to see him on field in some capacity. And I think it, it just opens up so much question. more. Yeah. I, I, had, I actually hadn't thought about that either, which I don't know why, because it's not like he doesn't know how to play the position at the highest level, right? Like, he's done it. He's a great recruiter. 
He's got passion for the university. It makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, he turned down jobs last year, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm. Well, I mean, I'm gonna say it now. He turned down <laughs> jobs last year to stay. Uh, uh, to stay at Auburn. He, he's a guy that really loves Auburn University. Uh, they, you know, he got a bump as far as to stay on staff, but he definitely could have went and made more money as a position coach at another school. And a lot of people are, have said, can your first job be at Auburn? Mm. Is that enough dues to pay? Right. But we as just a saw. coach? Yeah. Yeah. You, you'll, you'll be surprised how the coaching fraternity gets about things like that. No, I understand. And I, I know that was a, a big thing about, you know, Cadillac hadn't paid his dues. He shouldn't be able to get a head coaching job at a university this big that quickly, right? right? Because he hasn't, you know, he hasn't even been a coordinator somewhere yet, right? And so he hadn't, to your the, the statement, used paid his dues yet, right? Um, but yeah, I, I get it. People feel like people skip the line with that kind of thing, but right? If right, we, if we right. being real, a lot of people skip the line. Come on, bro. in a lot right. of scenarios, and, so and, that, and, that, and that's that's part of the reason why I'm saying it because man, come on, dog, like. Yeah. Can he get out here and motivate these guys and teach scheme? He's he, he's played in the Super. I think he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, like you you you've seen the guy play at the highest level. Uh, he's definitely relatable. He's able to talk. He's 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 protégéed already. So I think he'd be a guy that if you had a corner, let's say you just wanted to do corners, he's a guy that I think that could coach uh, coach that position and reach out. Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to establish the defensive side of the ball if it's going to be where Zach has to hold back in again or maybe maybe there's only one defensive line coach uh, and the linebackers coach are split into two and that becomes your edge coach but right um it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in and I think that's going to be the catalyst for how the staff shapes up but now I think I think there was a lot of untapped potential on the staff and this is not just a dick at Brian Hartson but I just think that he had a different way of doing things Mm -hmm. that we see didn't work as well as we would have hoped for right uh starting out i think nobody came into it and saying this is an absolute horrible hire right you know it was something different i think people were so ready for gus to go that anything was better but hindsight being 2020 you know those eight nine win seasons sure look good right now right so uh (laughs) we'll see what hugh freeze can do a lot of people are calling him gus light i do know they do have a good relationship i do know that uh there's a lot of mutual respect but their offense isn't no they're the not, it's not the same offense. It, it's not if, the same if you offense. feel like they're the same offense, I don't know that you've studied a lot of offensive film to be able to have that opinion because it's not. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, Hugh Freeze is definitely going to be uh, more multiple. Uh, and I think that Hugh Freeze does a really good job of giving the quarterback options as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I think you could tell based on formation in Auburn's previous history if the player is going to be open or not before the, the, before the first pre-snap read even takes place. As soon as you get out there, you know, based on alignment, Gus can call something up and it's going to be wide open. But if it ain't open, then what? Right. Like read two and read three is in there. And I think the progr- I think uh, Hugh Freeze has, I would say, better progressions. And I, I'm interested to see what happens like and what he can do with a guy like Robbie Ashford. Yeah. Uh, so this that is actually where I want to take the conversation next is – what do you feel like happens with the quarterback room, right? So, I mean, I, I, I don't know that that bridge isn't burnt already with TJ Finley and he isn't already out the door, right? So right. you've got Robbie Ashford, who right. is as dynamic an athlete as can be at quarterback, has all the passion and the will in the world, but he has some quarterbacking that he needs to learn how to do, 
Right. Hugh Freeze is the developer of quarterback. So right. you put that raw clay in the hands of a guy who knows how to mold it. Potential's unlimited, right? But right. you still also have a Holden Garner sitting in that room. Right. Who is more of a prototypical po- pocket passing quarterback, but Hugh Freeze's offense can adapt to that sort of thing if they get the right kind of offensive line together, right? Right. And then you have the potential of Zach Calzada coming back for that final season. Right. What do you feel like is, do you feel like he's going to try to ride with who he has and then just kind of recruit a next up, go get somebody from the portal to compete? Like, I don't know. I mean, have you heard any rumblings? I don't know. I I haven't heard anything definitive out of any of those guys yet. Well, other than Robbie, who is 100% on board with this. Yeah, I haven't heard anything yet, and I think that just the potential of seeing I think I think Hugh Freeze has to be salivating at the fact of watching Robbie Ashford, Robbie Ashford over the last four games, watching him in the Alabama game and just saying, man, if I could put him in a little bit better of a situation, if I could simplify some of the things that I do on my offense, and I, and, I, and let me take that back, not simplify, if I could develop this guy to be able to make the same reads or better reads than Malik Willis made in this offense because skill set wise they are they they are similar. I think Malik had more of a had a, had a stronger arm, but I think that Robbie has a bigger frame than Malik. Mm-hmm. I know he has a bigger frame than Malik. For Robbie's sure. a big kid, uh, yeah, big big guy. Like so, um, I think there are some similarities in that game where, man, the possibilities could be endless. So I think that uh, Robbie Ashford has to be the incumbent coming back next year. Uh, TJ Finley, I'm not sure if he's going to graduate. Uh, if he, I know he's used his portal year, but right. I think so. Uh, I'm not sure how his transfer will work. Same thing with Calzada. Uh, Calzada is a real ball player. He moves a lot better than people give him credit for. for sure. So I think that he could be another one of those glove fit and a true dual threat, mm-hmm. uh, not a running quarterback passing and not a passing quarterback running, but a true dual threat because he does have some athleticism. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to have a lot to do with what running backs come back. Uh, mm-hmm. Tank Bixby comes back. You got a young spry, uh, Demari Austin. You've also got uh, Jacquez like Hunter, bro. Yeah, man, look. Oh, I like Demari a lot, man. Now, listen, that's not taking anything away from Tank. I'm, this is not when, when you say you like somebody, somebody's always like, Well, you what about such as that? This ain't got nothing to do. Tank is amazing. If you've heard me talk about Tank Bixby, boys in a different world from a lot right. of running backs and just his ability to make something out of nothing, which he's had to do routinely over his career at Auburn, <laughs> right. Jarquez Hunter is, is just a different animal altogether, bro. Squats uh, the whole weight room <laughs> right. and has ridiculous speed and strength. And his vision to cut back sometimes is uncanny, right? Like he just sees stuff differently than other people, right? Right. Uh, and then his work ethic is just I, – I don't know. A, I, when you talk about humility in a player, a guy who is rightfully one of the best running backs in the country, and that's not Auburn – lenses i'm talking about from a skill standpoint to boy just he's just nice like that right right but doesn't mind not being the bell cow back he understands okay tanks the guy he can he's gonna take most of the carries i'm just gonna come in here and do my job with 10 to 15 carries and and make it happen right Right. but i'm gonna still be out here on kickoff returns i'm gonna still be out here on kick coverage i'm gonna still you know i'm saying like just humble and what is what do you need from me, coach, for us to win? I got you. Right. That's a guy. Yeah. You want sure. that guy on your team, right? But right. when I say this, that doesn't discount those two guys. I like Damari Austin, man. Yeah. Why I like him so much is from day one, and we had him on the show. 
from day one when he came in here, he was like, he's like, I'm going to be one of them ones. Right. And I like a guy who thinks like that, number one, who's like, I got the ability to, when when I put the cleats up at Auburn, people going to be like, now, you know, because uh, uh, I, so you got Bo Jackson, you got Carnell, man, I might have to throw Demario also. Like, that's the way he's thinking as a true freshman coming in. I'm going to be one of them ones, bro. Like, they're going to look right. back at me and be like, yeah, he was, he was, he was different. And I, right. I, I like the tenacity that he approaches everything with. And then, too, same kind of humility where it's like, all right, you need me to just run a little jet sweep situation, return kicks, whatever. Like, I don't care about burning no little red shirt, bro. Like, I want to, I want to play. Right. Put me out here. We're going to play. Right. I like yeah. it, man. Now, Damar, he, he's a special kid. Um, I forgot what they call him. Like, he, he he's a he's a kid from my area. Um, uh, is it Buckets? I got to ask him that. Um, but, yeah, man, um, Damar is a guy I'm really excited about, and he's a guy that Cadillac gambled on. And when I say gamble, there were guys a lot of people wanted uh, lack, thought that Lack should have took Antonio Martin, who ended up at Georgia Tech from Langston Hughes. A lot of people thought he should have took Quinshawn Judkins, mm-hmm. uh, who's who's having a Heisman uh, type season. Uh, you got other players that people were like, okay, but Demar was Lack's guy. Mm-hmm. Like Demar was Lack's guy, and uh, you ask anybody who will tell you, they'll say, you know, he loved, he, like he's a guy that Lack really saw a lot of himself in. He loved his pad level, which I do too. Uh, mm-hmm. Demar is is a stout. He's a uh, quick, really choppy steps. But he really gets behind his pad level. Mm-hmm. And so you think about it. Let's say that whole stable comes back mm-hmm. with Robbie Ashford, right? And a Landon King. Mm-hmm. And might get the chick Dawson back. You know, who knows mm-hmm. what happened once 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 these guys get in here and see this new offense. But with Hugh Freeze and his mindset about what he can do and the multiplicity that he brings to the game, I think that I I Look, nobody's gonna no nobody's seen this offense in a while, right. right? I think Auburn really has some talent at these skill positions. If you can go and get some some offensive line play and some help out of the portal, Auburn can be a really really dangerous team next year, especially if Tank Bixby returns. Mm. And I I've been hearing rumors that he's he's mulling over that that thought, right? Like he could potentially come back this year. He it, I think it's really gonna be about what his draft stock looks like, right? Right. Um, but. I mean, and this year is loaded for running backs. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like he's on most draft boards. I think he's like sixth or seventh, something like that, in that draft class. And it's like that's. I mean, you you can definitely go to a team and and do well as a fourth, fifth round pick and and have a long career. So that's not right. pooing on that. But that's might might not be what he wants coming out. Um, but then you think about um, you know what the potential could be in this new revamped offense for him. And you're talking about the record books, like bro almost had a thousand yards this season with this offensive line. Like you think about him with an actual offense, bro. Man, listen, it it could get real scary real fast. I think that, and one thing that can help that guys going to have to start considering is guys who have very lucrative NIL deals. Mm -hmm. They can float another year and be okay. You can float another year and be okay. Yeah. You can figure it out. You don't have to go. You you can you can gamble on yourself, take out the insurance policy, mm-hmm. play another year, and see if you can make yourself another four or five million dollars over your first three years in the league versus going now and being stuck into a fourth or fifth round scale. If he could play himself into a top two round pick, yep. potentially a first round pick. I mean, he has first round talent. Yeah. Like he does. And um, 
I think if you saw Tank Bigsby behind the UGA offensive line, I think he's a Heisman candidate. Hmm. So with that being said, uh, yeah, I, I could see Tank coming back for another year. And, and and he really has a great relationship with Cadillac, and Cadillac did a, an amazing job of being able to balance the two. And I think that you'll see, and I think that Hugh Freeze would be foolish not to use some of the concepts that we saw more often towards the end of the year uh, with uh, the combined backfield of Tank and Jacquez Hunter, and sometimes even seeing Damari Austin in. And, and, and let me say this, not to say that Brian Harson and uh, – Keesaw never used those combos, right. but the way they were used towards the end seemed to be more effective for whatever reason. Yeah, it was different. I mean, listen, I, I don't think anybody can argue the results. Like you can, we can talk X's and O's, and we can talk plays and all that. Like, yeah, it was it was a lot of the same concepts. It was just different execution, man. And I I don't know what to point to other than number one, there was a different insistence on it, right? Like okay, they right. was like, no, nah, we finna run this sweep, bro. Not, yeah. You're not going to see it two times. You're going to see it about five, six times. We're going to run it out of different formations. But you're going to get this sweep. Right. <laughs> we sweeping. This is what we do well. Yeah, I don't care if it's power. I don't care if it's single back. I don't care if we don't run it out of the pistol. I don't care if we run it out of shotgun. Running back sweep. Man, listen. We run it. <laughs> Man, back, back, back in high school, before I got my first job, I had one outfit. And I knew that outfit. Now, it was nothing else nobody could tell me. I knew that when I put that outfit on, yeah. I was one of the freshest guys in school. Mm. Well, guess what? I only had one of them. Yeah. So they got so they got that thing once a week. Yes, sir. But but yes, sir. hey, but I knew on that day you was gonna be that, fresh. <laughs> that was the one. Yeah. And I think that's the same mentality that they had with that with some of those sweep and then some of that perimeter running. It's like you know what? We don't do a whole lot well as we want to, but we know we do this well, and they yeah. stuck to it. And I had to commend them on forcing that down people's throats. Yeah, but see, that that's what allows you to counter though. Right. Like you, exactly. if you don't, if you don't have a jab, nobody's looking for your, that, that counter cross or, or the, uh, whatever, whatever you're, you have to set it up with something, bro. And like, right. we just didn't have a punch to use to set up for no haymakers. And, you know, when, once we got the sweep rolling, you know, and that, like I said, all of that outside stuff, that's what allows us to come back with the reverses. And it allows you to do your, you know, your, your, your bootlegs off of that, where you're going to fake it, the, the pitch, but you're going to have Robbie roll out the opposite direction. And you're going to have a, a screen. Like there's a lot of things you can do when you got something that works. Man, when you run that pitch so many times that people start to say, you know what, I need to get a move. I need to get a head start on this. Because if I start don't creeping down a little bit, the DB biting up some, you know, and you you get that false step is all you really need. That's it. And once you do that, that's how you get open on the uh, halfback pass for the touchdown, right? Right. That they install, right? So yeah, those tendency breakers uh, are, are really important. And I, I was, and you know what, I, I didn't mention Will Friend, mm. but you know, a lot of people weren't happy with his offensive line recruiting and whatever. What I will say is, hell of a job as helping to call the plays. I'm not yeah. sure how it worked. I'm not sure the adaptation did what. that they made between him and Ike Hilliard to figuring out, you know, yeah. what are we going to do to make this offense move in these last four games? Hats off. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I wonder, man, I wonder how Kendall Simmons is as a recruiter. Mm. I just, I just, he, what? he is another guy when we started having that conversation about, uh, because when you think about like a, a Brad Bedell, right? Like Brad Bedell wasn't a tight end guy by trade. Like he was an offensive right. line guy, right? Right, right. And so I, I did start wondering about that when we started having the Matt Luke conversation. Would one of those guys, just for the title alone, kick out to be a tight end coach and say, all right, well, I'm going to be, 
you handle the interior offensive line and I'll handle the tight end situation. And you have both of the, you know, whether it is a, you know, any combination you want to put together. Hold on, uh, who, who got tight ends at the end? Was it Bernardi? Uh, good question. I think it, I think that is correct though. Yes. I like Bernardi. That's another yeah. guy I didn't mention. I did like Bernardi. Bernardi was cool as a fan. And I know for a fact that he recruited like hell as much as he could. So when he was able to be in that position to talk to guys or when he was able to, when he was able to be on campus with guys, Bernardi was a really, really well liked guy. I can say that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Joe Bernardi, tight ends coach. That is correct. Yeah, yes. Bernardi, Bernardi, Bernardi cool. Uh, I like Bernardi. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of options out there. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this shapes out, you know, how this shakes out over the next couple of really days. I was going to say weeks, man, but I think they're going to move really quickly on trying to fill these staff positions. It's different with the coordinators and the staff. That, like, you don't really have to wait on – seasons to end and all that kind of stuff for a lot of these guys like you gonna go out and make your offers and some of these guys might not even coach their bowl games if if they, you give them the right offer so yeah yeah you better man because this portal this portal is around the corner right and then signing day is right behind it you yep. got all these office you get all these official visits that you can redo um so now i think it's gonna be really important and man i'm excited man excited to have something else to talk about for sure for yeah. sure it's definitely it makes our job easy right it makes Easier. it a lot different when you have uh, – and you're not talking speculation anymore. Like, it's right. still some speculative stuff, but it, it has more more body to it, right? Because we know right. who the head guy is. We can look at what he's done from his coaching history and kind of say, okay, these people fit. You know, we understand what it is from an Auburn standpoint for some of these people maybe to come back into the Auburn fold. Uh, so it's going to be real interesting to see what – that staff shapes out to be. And then once that staff gets in motion, then we can start having conversations around what is the the, the actual team going to look like around the dynamics of what these people are able to do. So I'm looking forward to that. No, nah, for sure. No, nah, that's hard. Yeah. All right, man. Well, shoot, that's it, man. We appreciate, I pre- man, you know, listen, man, we, we definitely, we've been talking about trying to make this a situation, man. We just going to have to keep having these convos until we ain't got nothing else to talk about, man. But, uh, hey, for uh, sure. Appreciate you riding through, man, and uh, and and talking to the people with me, man. But uh, again, if they under a rock somewhere, hit the people to where they can find more information about what you got going on. Uh, check me out. Uh, my podcast is called The Casual Flicks. Uh, I talk about everything that from uh, Auburn football to the Falcons to the Hawks. Uh, sometimes I have some pretty cool guests on. So uh, check me out on YouTube, uh, The Casual Flex, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Dukes the Scoop. And I appreciate it as always, my man, Ike Jones, for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Always a pleasure to have you come and chop it up with me, man. But uh, we're about to get out of here, man. Um, we'll holler at y'all whenever we got more things to talk about. We'll definitely be <laughs> able to talk about that. Uh, but until the next time, as always, War Eagle.